Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Thank you, Susan. How are you this evening? I am well, and hey, welcome, everybody. Last week, we couldn't get in any more than you could. I don't know what was up with blog talk, but they weren't talking to anybody. 
So mm-hmm. that's why there was no show. Technical difficulties. Thanks for hanging in there with us. And thanks for trying your best with Allie to get it going last week, Sir Allie. Oh, for sure. I was disappointed that we couldn't get anybody on the blog talk side to recognize any signs of activity on our side. So technical right. difficulties. <laughs> yeah. A little frustrating. <laughs> but here we yeah. are. Hoorah! Hooray! Well, we have finally had a nice, good, hard frost, enough of a frost to make me say, all right, now I have to go dig up the rosemary. Ah. I mean, it will tolerate a little frost. That's the one I left out last winter just to see. It was great and green and beautiful until about January, and then when we started getting really deep, deep cold, it uh, just gave up. So mm. it certainly grows places where there's frost now and then, but not deep winter. So it's not, oh, something that has to be done before the frost. But when the ground is starting to get hard underfoot, time to bring those last things in and dig those roots. Yep, yep. What have you been doing this week? Oh, my goodness. This week, it has been, I'd say spontaneity has been the theme since last week, actually. Um, And we decided last minute, instead of just retiling around things in our kitchen, that we'd just go ahead and move everything out and tile all the way through the kitchen. So um, it's been, yeah, a little upheaval here without a kitchen but they finished the tile floor. So now it's a matter of putting things back together. Um, very exciting and a little bit overwhelming at the same time. And then we got hay delivered today and we had um, the only goat that's going to have a date, had a date today. So um, that was awkward, but hopefully there will be a pregnancy that results. <laughs> <laughs> One is always hopeful. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yes, she was playing as hard to get as she could until it was time for him to leave. And then it was like she couldn't, she cried all afternoon, like after he was oh, on the way out. No. Ah. <laughs> people, oh. people who have never had to try to play matchmaker to animals can hardly believe the shenanigans that one gets up to. Oh my, yes. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite favorite images is after having successfully bred our female and I'm leading her back to the car and the owner who weighs over three hundred pounds, he's like kind of the size of a of a football player, is leading her back with another man leading the buck back to the shed. And I'm just about to the truck and just about getting her in when the buck decides he has not had enough and he takes off at a gallop dragging these two men who are holding on to him face down through the mud. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. (laughs) I'm thinking wow look at that 500 pounds of man cannot stop that goat. Oh Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) 
our weather today, he was like way more adamant than usual when I was like, you know, it's time for you to get in the stall for a little bit, buddy. He was, he, he, you know, his strength was much more than what he normally displays. I'll say that. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They are bigger than us. Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. you, one doesn't tend to think that because they're on all fours. But if you get down on all fours and then compare yourself to the goat, you'll see how much much bigger the goat is. So true. Goodness. To think right? about it that way, yeah. They are much, much bigger. <laughs> much <laughs> bigger. I realized this when we had given death one year with a group of apprentices to a baby buck, not a baby, he was probably two and a half months old, a young buck, and we took the skin off, and one of the apprentices said, I want to wear it. Mm. And we laid, she got down on all fours, right, like she was a goat, and we put the skin on her. She was bigger than she was. Wow. This is like a two and a half month old goat and I'm like oh they're real they're really a lot bigger than us yeah uh it's so true yeah our biggest goat I'm just like really envisioning her right now I feel like she's way bigger than me and like way bigger than my husband like she's really big yeah yeah we appreciate that they don't stomp on us. And people say, why did you decide to get goats as a dairy animal? And I said, because you will survive having your foot stomped on by a goat, but you won't having it stomped on by a cow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it hurts enough with a goat. I would not want to try a cow. Right? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, so those are sharp. So I did something today that really paid off a wonderful dividend. I decided to try out the New York Times no need bread recipe. Ooh. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a pretty famous bread recipe. And it's credited with getting if not millions, certainly thousands of people to start baking their own bread because it is about as simple as bread could be. You mix together flour and salt, add some water, flour, salt, and yeast, add water, mix it until it's mixed together, let it sit for four hours. I was gone, so I let mine sit for six hours. Fold it over several times, turn the oven on, put a cast iron Dutch oven in the oven, turn the oven to 450, cover your dough, let it rise while the oven gets to 450, put it in your Dutch oven with the lid on for half an hour, then the lid off for 15 minutes, voila, you have bread. You know, I'm pretty sure I have made this recipe after my friend gave me starter, and I was just not so good at making bread the long way. And it is phenomenal. It is so delicious, right? Right. 
And you think, oh, come on, no need bread. How good could it be? Fantastic. It's how good it is. It's so good. And the folding over part is interesting. And I, one time I was doing it and decided in the process of folding that rather than just bake a loaf of bread, I was going to put stuff in the bread. Oh, that was so yummy. That <laughs> oh, be still my heart. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah, so that that's yummy. <laughs> oh, how fun that you have a loaf of that go or ready. Oh, that's well. Love, and do you know what I what I got to eat with it? I'm a saucy beans. Thank you, Sarah Ellen. Oh, I, I said, I said to Michael, I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a big tablespoon full of these cooked beans, and I cooked them with some organic pork fat and a bunch of uh, kombu seaweed. I said, I'm going to eat a tablespoon of these beans, and I'm going to enjoy every morsel. I put them on some brown rice. I said, and if I have to suffer and pay with horrible gas pains from it, I will at least have had this enjoyment Oh, oh my I'm hoping not. I soaked them. I tossed the soaking water. I cooked them for like three, four hours. I mean, I really cooked them, cooked them, cooked them, cooked them. As I said, lots of seaweed, animal fat. I'm really hoping that I that I'm going to be able to uh, have this work for me. It's a long haul getting my body back into being willing to accept beans as food. Mm. Mm. So, uh, wow. well, thanks, I'm happy for, you guys thanks for the Anasazi beans. I love them. Yeah. And Michael said it was the best beans he'd ever eaten. Oh. I hope you got some for you, too. You know, I didn't, but now I'm super curious. I think I might have to for the holidays. That sounds great. They're, they're, they're the tastiest bean. Mm. Oh, and especially wow. if you know, add a little organic animal fat that you have around toward the end of the mm-hmm. cooking time. Okay, I'm inspired. Oh, we'll do that for sure. We'll add oh, that no. to... Oh, beans. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And it was funny that I saw that, um, I think it was Kim, who put up my... Uh, apple, and pumpkin soup, because I just made apple, pumpkin, baked oatmeal. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. How did that turn out, like, almost like a, like a brownie texture, like a... Yes. Don't? Yeah, people are calling it cake. It's like oatmeal yeah. cake, but there's, it's gluten-free. There's no flour in it. It's oatmeal and egg and milk and a huge amount of maple syrup. But that's okay. Mm. Just a handful of stuff. Maple syrup's the only sweetener. And, of course, salt and baking powder and vanilla extract and two tablespoons of pumpkin pie spice. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, oh. rather than buy pre-mixed spice, I just have some cloves and some allspice and some different kinds of cinnamon and a little nutmeg and just, you know, get to mix and match yourself. Right. 
the spices of the season. Oh, I can smell your kitchen. Mm. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Now, Mm. let's see. Where did you put the information? Ah, here we go. Okay. On Dr. Catherine King, who's going to be our guest this evening. She's passionate about teaching neuroscience-based practices targeting the brain and the nervous system. Wow. And she has personally found freedom from over a decade of debilitating chronic Lyme disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, mold toxicity, PTSD, and more by the stuff she's going to talk to us about. So stick with us until 9 o'clock East Coast time or go to something else and come back and hear what Dr. Kathleen King has to share with us. Anything else you want to talk about? Oh, no, thank you. That's mostly all we've had time to have going on here, so thank you. (laughs) Okay, then do we have anybody with any questions tonight? Oh, we do. We have one listener that has already pressed one to let us know that they've got a question and would like to speak live. Everyone else, it is time now. If you have a question for Susan and want to speak live with her this evening, please press one. We'll see your hand go up in the queue, and I will announce your area code when it is your turn um, for an open line. All right, it looks like we have two hands that are raised, and from the 603, you are live with Susan from the 603. You are live. Hey, Susan. Hi. Hi, this is Rose from New Hampshire. It's been so long since I've spoken to you. Um, uh, I've, I've, uh, I've managed to listen to as many of your um, podcasts on Tuesday night. Um, but to tell you the truth, I've just been, the reason I haven't called in, it's not because I didn't, need you (laughs) in your opinion but i just had four things going on the last year that i have got that i've had trouble dealing with and i'm left with absolutely little not hardly any energy at all um there are four things but the thing i wanted to ask you probably tonight first um would be is there anything you can recommend for Burning needles and pins pain in the bottom of my feet. That is a specific indication for hypericum perforatum. Okay. I've only been taking um, when I could, uh, uh, well, that's part of my other problem because I have my severe scoliosis is worsened and I have pain all day. So when I can get up, and about, I have to get, get horizontal most of the day. I have only been managing to take one dropper full of hypericum perforatum um, after um, a meal, but that's probably not enough, huh? I don't think so. For me, it's a remedy that I like to use very lavishly. Oh. So I certainly don't find it in any way 
Um, it, it, I don't want to say this. I've taken lots of Hypericum lying in bed. Okay. I'm not sure how being in bed sometimes somehow makes it that you can't take I, I don't understand that. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't make myself clear. And you have to excuse, uh, excuse me. Um, not being able to sleep is my it was one of, one of my problems too. So I'm very uh, foggy. I hardly like I got one hour of sleep last night. But uh, uh, it's just because um, I have virtually no energy. Um, it's like you know, all of a sudden the when like, I'm laying in bed and the hypericum is next to me, it does okay. not take much energy to take it. Okay, should that be taken with a little bit of water? It's a good idea. Have a little water, especially if you're spending a lot of time in bed. Yeah. It's good to have some water by your bedside. Right. So that that you don't have to use the energy to get up and get it. And so that you can take Hypericum frequently. Okay. If you have the extra energy to rub some hypericum oil on your feet that might work and or if at some point you connect with some hypericum oil that you could rub on the bottoms of your feet that would be very helpful as well i was very impressed this summer i was someplace and somebody actually stepped on my foot big heavy shoe and I was barefoot and I screamed and I looked where I thought there would be some arnica and there wasn't but there was some hypericum oil and I put it on and the pain in my toes went away in about 20 seconds well I do have some hypericum oil um um and I will try rubbing on the feet. All the the um, the doctors, you know, all they say is, "Oh, it sounds like neuropathy." But I, you know, I'm not heavy. I've always been slender. I don't have diabetes. Um, they don't really have any recommendation for me. And um, but it gets so bad some nights that I literally, you know, just cry and try to shake my legs, try to stand up. It's just needles and pin burning so bad that, like, I try to kick. I mean, I can't lay still because it, it's so bad. I feel like it's going to make me crazy. It just gets so bad. But um, the Hypericum oil on the feet and taking the um, Hypericum tincture in water. I so when, I, when I came home from the hospital, they uh-huh. sent me home with some pretty strong painkillers, which I threw, opioids, which I threw in the trash. And I had really, really bad pain in my nerves from the surgery, and really bad pain in my feet and my legs and the nerves. And I took a dropper full of Hypericum tincture every 15 minutes, okay. laying in bed for about 30 hours. Okay. I'm not suggesting you need to do that much, but I'm saying that's what I did because I did not want to continue to take the opioids. They had been feeding me in the hospital for two weeks. Thank you. Yes. Because I was in excruciating pain, not just laying there crying, but screaming. Yes. Yes. 
So I know that pericum tincture, anti-pericum oil work. They do have to be used like herbs, which means, you know, lavishly, not like drugs. Yeah. Which we take in small amounts, maybe once a day, and that's that's great for drugs. Yeah. But for herbs, we usually have to apply ourselves more. Now, I didn't have to continue to take it every 15 minutes, you know, for after that 30 hours. I do continue to take some hypericum. At this point, I take a dropper full once or twice a day. And there's still a fair amount of nerve pain from the surgery, which varies as nerves are continuing to wake up in my body, nerves that were um, damaged by the surgery that have uh, come back, often come back with, um, oh, sometimes it'll feel like when the nerve come back, it comes back, sometimes it feels like somebody's thrown boiling water at me. Uh-huh. You never had the needles and pins uh, sensation? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Certainly um, something I would call stabbing pain. Uh-huh, yes. I, I do have some of that, too. And even, so, like, all of a sudden I'll get a, a jab in my toe. It's like, yeah, like a stab. Yeah. And it's just like... Stab, it comes, right. Yeah, a stab. Like, like suddenly it's there, and then in one second it's gone. Like, if you wanted to believe that somebody had a doll of you and was sticking pins in it, you could. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah exactly. A but the hypericum really is a wonderful ally when you're oh, I, experiencing I think, that. Don't be afraid of using it and using it lavishly, especially to get yourself in a better place yeah, with that, it. Well, yeah. How often... Uh, I can I can picture myself putting the oil on the bottom of my feet, but Good. I mean I don't think I can apply that very often because it's oily and and then you I don't want need to. I didn't stuff. say anything about that, did I? Uh, no, I'm sorry. I said tincture. Oh wait a minute, I'm confused. Uh, the I talked about I talked about putting the oil on your feet. End of discussion. Yes. I talked about taking the tincture frequently. Yes. Oh, so. Yeah, because I I can't put the oil on my feet more than once a night. Right. Exactly. Right. And I'd have to put a sock on so I don't get it, you know, all over everything. Um, well, so I, I, I have a light coat of hypericum oil that's put on to my indolent wound caused by the radiation, a wound I've had for three and a half years now. Yeah. And I don't put anything over it. I don't. Soak it in oil. I just put a very light coat, and it absorbs into the skin. Okay, I'll, I I will try that. Now, if you and want to do a whole treatment and do enough that you need to wear socks, I'm not against it. Yes. I'm just saying you don't have to do it. Yes, yes. So I we I have no idea where this burning pain has come from. Neither. I'm just wondering if it could be a result of my worsened scoliosis because it's so it got so bad this. Past year and a half, that um, uh, the so pain is all day let long. Me ask about, let me ask you about your worsened scoliosis. You're yes. still drinking nourishing herbal infusions. Oh, of course, Susan. Thanks to you. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And um, you're doing some kind of stretching or tai chi or qigong or yoga, something like that. Well, 
I used to go to physical therapy and I used to stretch and go and I had to stop because I virtually had no energy. What I can manage to do now is only a little bit stretching in the morning when I first get up because when I first get up I don't uh after rest you know, being horizontal all night, but of course not sleeping much, I I don't have the pain and if I do get the pain I stretch a little, but I'm just so fatigued, it's even hard to do that. But I push myself to do a little walking and a little stretching, but, it's, but it's not much, you know, because it gets so bad even after a 10-minute walk or 15-minute walk or when I brush my teeth to bend over. I can't, I don't, can't cook anymore because if I stand, you know, I have to get lie down again. Um, what was I going to say? I'm sorry, I'm losing because my Because of the pain again. of your scoliosis. Yes. So what I managed, well, what the, all the doctor could recommend that I try is a different, um, uh, I've gone to a sports medicine guy who was giving me in, um, inje- um, injections into the, um, um, Oh, gosh, no, because I haven't slept much. I can't think of the name of it, and I knew it before I called you. Um, into, oh, trigger points. Uh, you know, into the trigger points, he would try injecting something uh, when he touches me all up and down my spine and into my butt where it was painful. He would uh, do, try trigger, do trigger point injections of something to numb it, um, and I'd go back in, you know, three weeks or so, and he'd try it again. It it worked a couple times, but then it didn't work at all. So then he passed me on to the uh, um, the uh, uh, prevent. How do you, it's called alternative um, uh, pain spinal pain doctor. You know, one who doesn't believe in surgery because that can't help me. If I could get a spinal transplant, that's about the only thing. <laughs> because it's worse and so bad. But he, I had my first um, heavy dose of steroid injections. I finally gave in to that. For two years, I avoided it. And uh, you can only get like uh, three a year or something like that because it's directly into the, the facet of the spine. And, of course, it's quite painful, but I'm willing to do it if it's going to help. But that hasn't helped much. So now I have to wait another three or four months before I can try it again. So I don't know if this, you know, foot pain is a result, you know, could be related. You know, I'm trying to get to the root of the problem, not just deal with the symptom, but I don't know. I, I don't know if you have any tips for me about that. Well, I'm not sure what you mean by the root of the problem. Because well, if we decide that the pain is from the scoliosis, as you say, there's not yeah. much can be done. So. Right. We may have gotten to the root, but then yes. what exactly what good does that do us? Yes, exactly, exactly. So it's why I'm not so interested in getting to the root of the problem, but very interested in dealing with um, what's happening right now yes. and how we can make your physical being happier. Yes, because I've yes. been so active all my life. Because you're very unhappy with what's going oh. on. Oh, it's hard that's to the, deal with. That's the thing that's like, that I'm hearing the most, is how unhappy you are about 
everything. Well, it's hard to have joy when you're in pain all the time, you know. And uh, I, I used I to be. No, I absolutely do know where of yes. you speak. Uh, having yeah. basically been in chronic pain for about five and a half years now, yeah. um, and I know you know a huge number of different ways to be with that, to relieve that, to approach that, and none of them have ever prevented me from experiencing joy. Well. I'm remaining optimistic, and I... That sounds am, good, because I, joy is a choice. Yes. Even I if have, we're in pain. Yeah. We can choose joy. Like I said to Sarah Ellen, I'm going to eat this tablespoon of Anasazi beans, and yeah. I am going to really focus on the sense of eating it and tasting it and chewing it, and I'm going to enjoy it. And if I pay with hours or days of suffering because my gut is unhappy about beans, then I, and I don't know that that's going to happen, but it's a possibility, yeah. then I will nonetheless have, have the joy. Yes. Oh, yes. I do get joy from eating, believe me. I've always yes. had a good so that's all. That's all I'm saying, that yeah. we can remain focused on what is joyous, even though there are there are certainly enough to uh, to moan about. Right, right. Right, right. Yes, exactly. I, 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 said, I said hello to my, um, my granddaughter's friend who's having a really hard time. And I looked at her and I said, life's a bitch. Yeah. And she broke out laughing. It was like so the right thing. To say yeah. to her, I think everybody had been trying to convince her that everything was okay. Well, it's not, and that's okay. I was yeah. Elizabeth Ross used to say to us, you're not okay, and I'm not okay, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. very disappointing was I So she was the one who told me that I don't need to sleep. I complained to her about not giving us enough time to sleep, and she said, well, my... Goodness, really, you know, if you're going to be doing this kind of work, then you have got to relieve yourself of the notion that you need to sleep. And I was quite astonished, and I said to her, no, 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 we're talking about sleep here. This is like a a basic, this is like food, water, this isn't a negotiable thing. And she said, what? You are lacking is rest, not sleep. I rest, but I don't sleep. Uh, Without sleeping pill. So so if you need to use only resting as an excuse for being fuzzy or for having a bad attitude or whatever else, you can. But what Elizabeth taught me was it is an excuse. And there's never any reason to say, I'm this way due to lack of sleep. I'm just foggy all day long and feel, I've you know. I understand that you wish to say that. I totally give you the right to say that, and I also give you the right to not say it. Uh-huh. 
I just don't know what to do for it. So I, I, I don't know. I, I find then it. You're not mm-hmm. rest, then you're not resting. Then you're not resting. Then you're like BSing no. me when you say you're resting. Because if you were resting, you wouldn't be foggy. Yes, I, I rest all day. And when I have to get up to pee or force myself to walk, I can mm-hmm. barely walk because I have so little energy. And, you know, I'm a thin person. I, I, I am, don't know I, what else I, I can do. I find it interesting that you changed the subject. Uh, can you uh, tell me more, please? Yeah. You were saying that you were fuzzy and foggy. Oh, sleepy. And I was saying that it is not sleep deprivation that makes one fuzzy and foggy, but rest deprivation. And that if you really were resting, when you said you were resting, you would not be fuzzy and foggy. And therefore, we look for not something we cannot get, which is sleep, but something we can get, which is rest. And perhaps when you say you are resting, you are not actually resting. Yes, I am resting because I'm so exhausted. And how is it you are foggy and without energy? When I get up, when I get up, I am I still have very little energy, and I think it's I I can only relate it to the uh, you know the scoliosis. Uh, and what I'm saying, not, and I will say it only once more: when you are really resting, you are yeah. resting in the field of all energy. When you are really resting. You are resting in the field of clarity and mental acuity. When you are resting, you are completely healed and completely restored. Even a little bit of resting can be miraculous in its effects on us. And most people tend to confuse not doing something with resting. They uh-huh. can be synonymous, but they aren't necessarily. And if someone were to say to me, I've been doing weight-bearing exercise three times a week for the past two months, and I'm not strong enough to tie my shoelaces I would say there's something wrong with your weight-bearing exercise. You, that exercise should make you strong enough to tie your shoelaces, at the very mm-hmm. least. And so that's what I am saying, that the proof is in the pudding. If you're resting, then you are clear and you have energy. It's, it's oh, straightforward as that. My mind is clear. So find a way, stop pursuing sleep. Give it up, Totally. You will never again sleep. Just give it up. Whatever sleep you get is a gift. But you can seek out really deep relaxation. Okay. Um, I don't want... uh, You will will know that you're really relaxed. Yes. Because you will experience the energy of all, of all existence. Okay. Um, 
I I hear you. When you I, say you're relaxing, what are you doing? I absolutely because I I'm in pain. I just lay there and I be my mind and I pray. I meditate, um, and I breathe, and I rest. And um, when and even when I'm I get to the point where, oh, I can't do this anymore because I have to switch from Sounds side to like side. you're sinking in, and what I'd like you to do is oh. sink out. Did so the next, uh, the next like time you're resting, I'd like you to come to focus at the tip of your nose. Focus on the, focus on the tip of my nose? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then let, let your nose grow like Pinocchio's nose. Uh-huh. And keep your focus on the growing tip of it. Keep my focus on it growing. Um, keep your focus at the tip. Yes. Not on the growing, but at the tip. So you are the part that is growing. You are the part that is moving further and further away. Does that mean my eyes are looking at the tip of my nose, or I'm just thinking, focusing on without looking at it. I think it would be much better to do it with your eyes closed. Eyes closed, okay. Okay. The other thing that I just wanted to, I thank you for for that, I'll try that. Um, The other thing I wanted to bring up is the last year, I was diagnosed with SIBO. I've been on a low FODMAP diet for a year and a year and three months now, um, and I got retested, and I still have a serious SIBO. So, I'm not think, understanding the word that you're saying. Could you explain it to us? Oh, SIBO is is uh, I don't know what it's S I B O. It's uh. It's a small it's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So there's a problem in my small intestine with bacteria. I have chosen not to go on antibiotics. That is one choice. Or uh, I went to a GI doc expecting that um, he would want me to get a colonoscopy, um, but I, he, he doesn't give colonoscopies anymore because he found that testing people to see what's wrong and helping them, uh, you know, such as what he found in me with a stool test and breath test that uh, I needed to, because I was just farting all the time. I had so much gas, and I used to eat, you know, nutritiously. So it's, they put you uh, on a low FODMAP diet. A lot of, there are so many foods that are high in FODMAPs. So my gas has gotten less, you know, I can uh, not, you know, less, but um, it's still there, and I still, whenever I eat anything nutritious like that is high FODMAP, like garlic and onions and and, cauli- and cauliflower and broccoli and um, all those healthy things, you know, the farting just gets so bad, it's ridiculous. I can't even, you know, it, it's ridiculous, like all day long farting. I realized when I gave up eggs, that it wasn't quite so bad, but it's still bad. So I've just about had it. I don't know what else to try. I hate to go on antibiotics, but maybe I, I think you, 
maybe you can help me instead of going on antibiotics, which kill all, you know, everything. Uh, I hate to start again, you know, because antibiotics kill everything. And when I did that years ago, I, I never, I, I, I never got rid of my dysbiosis. I always had, um, you know, that trouble. Is there anything that you can suggest? Um, I don't have an appointment uh, until December 1st. I've been waiting for three months to see see him, and I'm I'm just want to. Uh, he's going to give me the results of the tests, the breath and the stool and the stool test, which still showed that I have that problem. But I'm going to tell him, look, this hasn't worked. You know, what do you have next in your bag of tricks? But I wanted to call you to see if you had anything in your bag of tricks. There's a missing piece here, and I'm not sure what it is. Oh? There's some major stressor that's occurring here, and I'm not sure what it is. This is what I'm hearing you say, Uh is that you are drinking nourishing herbal infusions, which you make by weighing out one ounce of a nourishing herb like stinging nettle or oat straw, and you're rotating through the five main herbs, drinking about a quarter a day, that you're eating a healthy diet of well-cooked food, limited now by the FODMAP diet, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless as broad as you can make it. And even with all of those things out, there's still a lot of things that you can eat. Not too many. There's a major list of fruits and vegetables that you can still eat. No, it's not as many as it was before, but... The idea is never to make your diet limited. Yeah, I know, but this... Even though I'm not eating lentils or beans right now and haven't been able to tolerate them since my intestinal surgery, I nonetheless try them out at least once a month. I have a spoonful of beans or lentils or, uh, you know... Something like that hummus to see how my body is reacting now and to say, we're going to work this out because this is part of my healthy diet. This is going to be part of my diet. You can't refuse this. Mm-hmm. So I just, that's my attitude toward it. And yes, you know, there's still times when I eat something and it causes pain. I say, okay, you have to back off of that. Again, but it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me. It means that I'm just not there yet. Right. It might take a while. But what what I hear, so my spiral is expanding. Right. It may not be expanding by much, but when I look back, you know, wow, when I got out of surgery, I was basically eating, you know, mashed potatoes without the skins. I'm really enjoying other people eating salad, but there's no way I was going to be able to eat it. Brie right. cheese, you know, goat cheese, really simple, simple things. 
right? Yeah. A lot of meat. My body, you know, just said, you have to give me the easiest thing to digest, which is meat. So yeah. anytime someone's in a, you know, really serious situation of feeling like they're not getting enough energy, enough food, then I ask them to think about eating more meat. I do that, yeah. Good. Um, another so thing what, that happens. So what is the missing piece? What is the missing stressor here? Are you living well, in a moldy basement? Are no. you living with a person who no. you are terrified with? Is no. there? Are you in a war zone? I mean, something no. else must be happening. No. No, I can't. Honestly, I I I cannot. Um, to give you an example, I eat. A variety of things that I that are low FODMAP, but I, I, it's still limited. My husband has to weigh out everything. I can't have over a certain amount, or it's too much. For example, I love asparagus. I used to eat, you know, bowls of it. I can only have one half of a spear because it's a very high fad, FODMAP food. So that's what I do with the foods that I do eat. And I'm not allowed any onions or garlic at all, and I used to eat those every single day. Tell me about the things you can eat in quantity. Oh, well, nothing is in quantity. Everything everything is limited because high, you know, the FODMAPs are... Not everything is a FODMAP. Well, you look it up. There are lists of things that are... I've seen the list. High FODMAP, medium FODMAP, and low or no FODMAP. And generally, the low or no FODMAP things, you can eat as much as you want of. No. No, it's still limited. uh, It's still limited. You are choosing that limit. You're choosing that. That's what I'm told to do. I'm telling you that's a choice you're making. You know? In general, on the diet, they ask you to eliminate high FODMAP foods, limit and weigh out medium FODMAP foods, and to eat the low to no FODMAP foods as you will, because otherwise your body goes into survival and nothing you eat is going to nourish you. You're going to feel like hibernating. Well, I don't feel deprived. I'm full after every meal because I consume so much of a variety. So I don't know how to deal with this conversation because in this conversation, when I ask you what you can eat, you're telling me half a spear of asparagus. Oh, I will tell you. I I think what I I need to do is to say green blessings to you for now because I'm feeling more and more and more frustrated because what I'm hearing is somehow not matching up with the very next thing that you say. I'm so glad that you called, Rose, and I hope you call back again. Green blessings. Thank you. Good blessings. Green blessings. All right. And I'll remind everyone, if you've got a question and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, just press 1, and that will get you lined up in the queue. We'll go next. To the next caller that has their hand raised from the 804 area code. And from the 804, you are live with Susan. Woohoo, that's me. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Thanks for waiting. Yay, it's Lucretia. Hey, Lucretia. How are you tonight? Hey, hey, Susan. Hey, Sarah Ellen. I'm driving, so I'm going to pull over right now. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to call for um, the 31st to say happy 20th anniversary from when I was an apprentice there. Wow! Oh, that's fun. <laughs> happy anniversary. I wanted, to, 
I so I so wanted to be there at the last Moon Lodge this year, but could not make it. But then when I listened to that um, that show from the 31st, I was so happy to hear you sing that song because I was there when that song was created. Oh I, I got gosh. to talk like that. Oh, so I was hoping so we could sing. <laughs> yeah. So two things. I really want to sing that song with you, and then I also had a question about something else. <laughs> okay. Sing first. Okay. All right. Yes, yeah, sing first. All right.
to the exact degree that he sleeps without snoring or going into sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sometimes just okay. switching off and sleeping on your side can be enough. I'm a big side elevated. sleeper, but I definitely think the pillows are kind of flat. So that, that mm-hmm. might, yeah, I will try that. Um, what about mouth guards? Those. You know, Can those you are the me? kinds of things oh. that sound really good and look really good, but you really only do them a few times, and then you just like huh? get really fed up with it. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't. I can't imagine trying to sleep with something in my right? <laughs> other than my teeth and my tongue. <laughs> you know, if you need another thing to like stuff around the block about not doing, it's a good thing, but. You could just like get the trip and say, "Yeah, that looks really good," but I probably wouldn't do that thing. Um, okay. Okay. Right. All right. So, and then any like breathing techniques, perhaps, like any kind of specific, like pranayama of any specific kind, or anything like that, would make a difference. You think? Well, it's not <laughs> that you're not breathing; you are breathing, but mm. something interferes with your breathing, right? Mm. It's mm-hmm. like if you were doing mm-hmm. pranayama and some, someone suddenly came and put their hand over your nose and mouth. Mm. Mm. Okay. So the okay. airway, as I said, the airway is actually collapsing. Okay. And that's why if, breathe, if breathing made your way stronger, yeah. So maybe like something like Jai breath might Do you know what you who Jai breath is? I it's the three part? Is that the three part breath? No, Ujjayi breath is the one where you can hear it. You're breathing through your nose and I'm gonna be as loud as I possibly can. Right. You don't want to. You don't want to do. You don't want to sound like an ox in labor, right? I'm exaggerating so you can hear it over the phone. <laughs> no, I remember. I remember which one you mean. Okay. 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 It's a. It's right. a re, you're really clamping down around your airways mm-hmm. and then forcing the air through them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. All right. So that that could very. All right. Very easily help to tone those. That's what we're looking at. Sing more. Yes. All right. I can do that. <laughs> okay. And especially yeah. sing before you go to sleep. Okay. I like that. And All right. experiment with the sleeping herbs and see if any of them stop mm. the, the snoring. Mm. Okay. It's it's November. And November means next year. November means I have to produce my 2024 schedule for my workshops. I have to produce my 2024 schedule for my healthy life programs. I have to produce my... I was like, "Ah, uh, 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 hi, here it is, 2024. So that's what I'm focusing on next year at Healthy Life is the sleeping herbs. Okay. All right. And it's fascinating to me. I decided there probably weren't enough sleeping herbs. Um, So I was going to do sleeping herbs 
and dream herbs, but most of the sleeping herbs are considered dream herbs, too. Uh, okay. Even ashwagandha is considered to be a big-time dreamer. Uh, I didn't know that one. Okay, all right, all right. So do, your, do some experimenting, right? Mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. happens if you drink hops tea before you go to sleep? Mm. Do you snore okay. more? Do you snore less? Do you have to get up and pee? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah. I know they Give will appreciate it. Some experiment time and see what you come up with and then call back and share with us. I definitely will. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, a lot of love. I mean, this is you the best of herbal medicine, right? Where we say, yes, okay, getting to play. you know, let's, let's not look for the root of the problem. Let's just really deal with the problem and see how herbs affect it. Mm-hmm. wonderful 
Because that's what we have to share with each other is our individuality. And that individuality ends at my death. And what happens is I don't have a body anymore. I don't have any kind of body. I have a being. I am being. I am energy. Right? Energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. E equals mc2. Right now I'm mass. When I'm dead, I'm energy. My sugar and starch, mass and energy flow back and forth. But they're definitely different. So what happens to our body doesn't predicate how our energy is. It's what happens to our energy that predicates how our energy is. Even though my body was insensate for 17 hours while crews of surgeons did a huge variety of things, I can know the energy of what happened. There are few places where they did give me drugs that completely blocked memory. And so I don't, I can't get into those as a sealed from me, but most of it I have access to. Were I to have died on that operating table, and there were several times when they thought that I would, the fact that I was under deep anesthesia would not have changed my energy. It changes my body's response to what's going on. Thank goodness, blessed be. So, what my teachers have told me is don't worry so much about your dying, worry about your living. And don't really worry at all. Worry's not a good choice of word there, Susan. Don't be, don't fret about your dying. Throw yourself into your living. Be. Be greater. Be bigger. Look at all the options. You don't have to choose them. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to think they're right. But that's where you'll be when you're only being 
you're not a party anymore. And then you will see that it doesn't matter, right or wrong. Because it's all Leela, it's all play. so good that we can choose beforehand it can be so freeing to know that others don't have to make life choices for us it can be very difficult very very difficult if someone's in extremis and you don't know what they want and it's certainly easier if they've already made a living will and told you what they wanted. But it's still all Leela. It's still all play. Some plays are fun and some plays are tragedies. So enjoy. All acts of beauty and pleasure are in honor of her. Green blessings. All right, and it does look like we have a hand that has come up in the queue from the 734 area code. I'll remind everyone one more time, you have the opportunity to speak live with Susan. All you need to do is press 1. We'll see your hand go up in the queue. And first, we'll open the line in the 734 area code. You are live with Susan from the 734. Hi. Hi, Susan. Can you hear me? Hi. Hi, my name's Lindsay. Um, thanks for providing this wonderful resource for people to get to tap into your wisdom. I appreciate it. Um, I called once, like maybe four months ago or so, when I first got diagnosed with um, lupus nephritis. And since then, I have been doing what you recommended. I've been drinking a lot of herbal infusions. I started drinking them like you had mentioned you did. Like I wasn't even drinking water. I was just drinking like carrying, I was making like three of them on rotation. And um, I've slowed down a little bit just because life got a little hectic, but I've also been taking all of these recommended pharmaceuticals. And I went to the doctor and they said, well, your kidney functions fine, but you still, like, your protein, like, I'm peeing out protein, and it's it's increasing. We've got to figure out how to stop this, you know? And it's really, like, not a tangible thing for me to grasp onto because, like, you can't feel your kidneys. And I've been trying to tap into the spiritual realm because you had told me that Which the wolf is eating me alive. Your kidneys because <laughs> they don't have any nerve endings. Right, I know. So it's like I don't, like, know how to connect to, like, you know, like you have a muscle spasm, you can, like, do stretches and massage it. You well, have this problem. You, you know can you put your hands on your kidneys? I kind of know they're on my lower back area, right? They are not on your lower back area. <laughs> oh, okay. Where are they? I All know right. them. So what no, I want I you to do is I want you to take... Either, either hand, the left or the right, but just one of them. And okay. fold it to the elbow up behind your back. 
uh-huh. and kind of feel around. Can you feel your rib cage there? And yeah, your spine? I can. Yeah? yeah? Okay. Yeah. So your kidneys lie right next to your spine, right at the right at the lowest part of the rib cage. The kidneys are protected by your ribs. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, so you probably couldn't get both hands on your kidneys, but you could. As a I guess I did learn from Outlander if you stab somebody upwards in the back, you could hit their kidneys. So. Right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so if, if you're doing energy work, I find it really helps to know really where what you're directing energy That's to true. is located. Right. I mean, yeah. it should work anyhow, but somehow it does work better if you actually know where it is. And yeah. what I also suggest is that you do it with one hand on one kidney and then switch off. Okay. Okay. So that you're actually That's... directing energy, and you can direct energy from the earth. You can direct energy from the sky. You can right. pull in any kind of energy you want. All doorways are doorways to wholeness. Okay. Well, I definitely need to work on that practice some more, <laughs> refine that a little more. Um, I'm, I'm not so that so that you don't have to you don't have to tell your kidneys what to do. Your kidneys, I believe, were just like all kidneys created in perfection, and that perfection is still there. Your kidneys are not expressing that perfection right now, but it's not for you or me or anybody else to tell your kidneys how to be perfect again. Yeah. Well, I'm at a crossroads. All we want to do is have it be the reality. You see, our minds are designed to focus on what's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it really are. It's not our fault. That's what your mind is supposed to do. It's supposed to say, that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong. Remember when that bad thing happened to that? This bad thing could happen. That, <laughs> that is how right. it's supposed to be. But we can, like, you know, we can not fall prey to it. Try to express more gratitude <laughs> for all the things that are right. <laughs> um, yeah, and more just. Seeing it as that. Yeah. That so that this particular hassle ah is a blessing. Mm-hmm. And wow, I may be really hassled by it. Well that might be the blessing that maybe right then I just really need to be hassled by it. And I find it. Kinder um, we can be to ourselves, the better. Right. That's true. I'm, yes, and I'm definitely very self-deprecating and working on that. I have, um, I do have like I'm at a crossroads, and I was wondering if you could maybe sway me in one direction. I mean, I just wondered, like, so some of these medicinal or not medicinal, some of the pharmaceuticals that I'm taking, one of them is like contraindicated with astragalus. And one of the things you recommended was astragalus. But this is where I don't understand what's happening. Because like, 
the doctors well, let's, want to suppress let's, let's my Let's talk system. about herb-drug interactions, first of all. Okay. So my experience is this. While I was working on writing abundantly well, and this was pre-COVID, so I was out and about teaching a lot, maybe meeting 6,000 people a year. I asked at every conference I was at, every workshop I taught, has anyone here seen herb-drug interactions and what are they? And in that two years, I did not find a single person who had had or seen any herb-drug interaction. Okay. I do not think they exist. <laughs> I tend to believe you on that. I, I tend to agree with you on that for sure. <laughs> I think that it could be a problem if you took an active ingredient from an herb and took that at the same time you were taking a drug. I could certainly yeah. see that could be a problem. It might possibly be a problem if you were using the herb powdered and in a capsule, but the bigger problem would would be if the wrong thing was in that capsule. Um, Mm -hmm. What seems to have happened is that science has looked at plants and said, oh, this plant contains a chemical which does this in the body, therefore you can't take it with this drug which does that. Mm -hmm. I remember years ago at, um, at a big herb gathering, there was a an herbalist there who was a surgeon, and I said to him, so all the surgeons say you can't take ginkgo, you can't take vitamin E, you can't take this, 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 and this before surgery because it will cause bleeding. And he said, that is so much hornswoggle. He says, there's absolutely no evidence, and I certainly tell all of the people I'm going to operate on, keep taking your herbs. Keep taking your herbs. They'll make you healthy. Yeah. Well, that's so what I want to do. We're taking a <laughs> really, you know, like a Chinese combination formula with 20 herbs. I would be a little like, eek, about you're using drugs. But astragalus, I am fine. It's not yeah. going to make the drug ineffective. It's not going to make the drug too effective. I think it might cause diarrhea is what I read. <laughs> so, Has it? I don't know. Um, it's hard to say. I can't tell what's, what's causing anything. I mean, I do, but I had this before I was diagnosed with this. You know, I'd have some loose stools with certain foods and stuff that I would eat. So I really can't say for sure. <laughs> that's, okay, diarrhea is far more than just loose stools. Oh, yeah, then no, I don't think. Diarrhea is usually like watery and copious. No, it hasn't. It's it's mostly just soft, like very soft. Loosen things up. Yeah. 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 I just, yeah, I just don't want to take the medicines anymore, and I'm nervous if I stop taking them that they won't, like, keep doing labs for me to see if, like, maybe just the herbs are improving. You know, because I wonder if they're working against each other. So do you, you have know, to they're tell them? Suppressing. Do you have to tell them you're not taking the drugs? Um, I guess I don't. There's one that they test levels for it in my body, so if I wasn't taking it, maybe they would know. But the other mm-hmm. ones, no, I guess you're right. Maybe <laughs> I know. Why didn't I think of it like that? If what you <laughs> want to do is be monitored and you think that you need to 
taking drugs in order to be monitored, uh, then I don't think that it's a mortal sin. Okay. You're right. right. I could, I might just do that. Okay. No, that's what I needed to hear. (laughs) That's exactly what I called, what I needed to hear. I, yeah. I guess I just needed to hear some kind of permission, and I didn't think of it like that. Like, oh, yeah, okay. I could try just going off of them until my next appointment, and then and then see. I could see if my protein levels have, you know, changed at all, gone up or down. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you. You actually, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> it's, it's, it is a little bit devious, but. Yeah, like, really, well, in the I, realm of yeah. what goes on, not, like, not. Well, they know if I'm, like, why didn't, I just didn't even think to ask myself that. That's so funny. I even went through dual care with a midwife and told them the last minute, like, yeah, I'm not going to come here. I was just using you for ultrasounds and stuff. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, man. What? So, yeah, I could do that. Okay, okay. All right. Thank you that for giving me that sway and confidence that I needed. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I'll be sure to call back and follow up, but you know, if I I'm want to so try out, yes. if you want. Keep us uh, involved in the next installment. I did not hear what you said, but thank you. Be sure to keep us involved to call back and give us the next installment. That's okay. That's okay. Thank you. Yes, I will. Okay, you have okay. a good evening. <laughs> you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. And looks like at this time we don't have any hands that are raised. We've got about eight minutes. Um, however, I do see that Dr. Kathleen King is in the queue and on the line. Oh, well, let me go ahead and introduce her. I was looking around to see if I could find this article that I saw it was in one of the health newsletters that I get. It wasn't in some, like, radical um, thing. It was this ordinary study where they gave people a blend of antioxidant herbs, mostly in the mint family, and asked them to use a teaspoonful of it in their food every day. And after doing that for six months, all of their markers for disease were down. The risk for kidney disease, heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, all were heading towards normal from including a teaspoon of antioxidant herbs in their food. Wow, no wonder drinking nourishing herbal infusions makes such an enormous difference if just a teaspoon of herb can do that for us. Wow. It's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Kathleen King. Kathleen with a C and King with a K, a physical therapist who's passionate about teaching neuroscience-based practices targeting the brain and nervous system. Dr. Kathleen King is the CEO and founder of the Primal Trust Academy and Community. She weaves together brain retraining, vagus nerve toning, somatic movement, and trauma-informed attachment. 
attachment repair techniques in her online worldwide platform. Her focus is to help people with self-healing from chronic illness and trauma patterns. She has personally found freedom from over a decade of debilitating health, chronic Lyme disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, mold toxicity, PTSD, and more. And Dr. King has been presenting as an expert on nervous system healing to both traditional medical providers and mind-body healing communities. We are so honored to have you with us tonight. Thank you for being here, Dr. King. Thank you. Can you hear me okay? We can. Oh, can great. Good. Thank you very, very well. So, wow, you um, basically got fed up with uh, what wasn't helping you and found what did help you. Yeah, you could say that. I I uh, had a nice wake-up call in learning how to live my life differently um, through the whole process, yeah. How did that come about for you? Yeah, well, I spent many, many years trying to, first of all, figure out what was wrong and fix myself and all sorts of diagnosis from Lyme disease to mold toxicity to parasites and viral infections and, you know, went from doctor to doctor and... I got to the point where I was actually so sensitive, I couldn't even handle um, a lot of supplements and herbs and even homeopathics that would just overreact to everything. And I was like, how am I ever going to get better if I can't even handle these treatments? And it was a pretty scary place because I had two small children and I was just losing my function. And I did have a background as a physical therapist and I just thought, well, you know, I used to work with chronic pain, and I used to teach people how to turn down those pain receptors in their brain with all sorts of mind-body exercises, and the brain modulated pain. Well, maybe it modulates the immune system and the detoxification system, and if I can't even handle these treatments, I was just left with myself, with my self-talk, with my perceptions, um, and with uh, my brain and my own nervous system, and so I really focused on that and on changing my lifestyle and changing the way I perceived my reality. And kind of like you were talking earlier, the mind tends to just focus on what was bad and all of the diagnosis and what's wrong, etc. And brain retraining is about teaching your brain to perceive yourself differently, to perceive your body differently. And, you know, the body tends to follow along when we do that. And that's exactly what happened. And I started to self-heal from there. Wow. Yay, you! <laughs> it takes a lot of guts to say, I'm not going to get to the root of this problem. I'm going to deal with what's happening right here, right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I also had to realize that what I was doing wasn't working, that I couldn't force myself to, uh, I couldn't force myself to heal by freaking out all the time, going from doctor to doctor, worrying, and it just wasn't working. And I needed to face that reality. And that was really hard to let go of um, trying to force my body to heal with all sorts of protocols when I was in a stress response. It wasn't responding. And 
you know, it was almost like my body was rejecting um, supplements, herbs, medicines, uh, because I was in so much stress. And those, you know, one time I actually had a vision where I was seeing that I was putting these, you know, these herbs into my body and these supplements in my body, and they had a high frequency. But my internal body, the frequency was so disharmonious. It wasn't, it was almost like I rejected love. I rejected the intelligence of these plants, the intelligence of the supplements. I was rejecting life itself. And, of course, I couldn't partner with healing substances because my whole nervous system was literally pushing love, light, and healing out. That's, that's when I realized I need to focus on my internal world so that I can partner with, with things like herbs and supplements and homeopathic, et cetera, because I was rejecting them. I have been really looking at and talking to people about what I call after, after the surgery, after the trauma, after the diagnosis, after the chemotherapy, after the war, after the mm-hmm. rape, after. Even mm-hmm. if you're cured, even if you're okay, even if you're still alive, it seems like everybody just evaporates after and they leave you, oh, well, you have uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. But yeah. I think I think that, and I'm really interested in your opinion on this, I think that we need to change the D. It's not a disorder. It's not a disease. <laughs> it can be discovery. It yeah. certainly needs, needs to be a declaration. Others need to hear from us mm-hmm. about what happened. And I think mm-hmm. that ultimately it needs to be delight. Oh, that is beautiful. Discovery, declaration, and delight. Yes, yes, that gives yeah. me chills. Wow. Because it's not just that you've had this difficulty, these traumas. It's that every human being has been traumatized. Being born is traumatic. Mm. <laughs> yes. We can, we can, you know, calm it down a little bit, but it's by its very nature, it's very traumatic. And it's traumatic for the woman who gives birth, too. But mm-hmm. it's, and being a child is traumatic. And going to high school, goodness only knows, is traumatic. It's just, you know, life is just kind of one trauma after the other. So I think that what the work that you're doing is so critical to every human being. Mm-hmm. Because so many people may not even know what the vagus nerve is. So could you tell us a little about that and how what you're doing impacts the vagus nerve or how you're interacting with it? Sure. Well, the vagus nerve is also called the wandering nerve because it literally does wander throughout our body from our brain stem down our throat into our chest and our diaphragm into our stomach. And it really helps to regulate so much of our body function, our organs, our autonomic nervous system. And if you want your body to heal, a lot of times, Targeting the vagus nerve is one of the most direct paths to doing that, to helping that nerve, the function, be optimized because it's responsible for bringing the body into rest, digest, and repair. And when it is not functioning optimally, we are often stuck in a sympathetic overdrive or even some type of collapse because it's just the way the body eventually responds to so much stress. And so the vagus nerve is something that we can all easily start to optimize, much like a muscle that you'd go to 
the gym to strengthen. You can strengthen the function of your vagus nerve with simple breathing exercises, singing, humming, cold exposure. Um, there's there's a, eye exercises. There's a lot of things that you can do. And I find that when people start to tone their vagus nerve, their chronic symptoms, their digestion, uh, their detoxification, their immune system starts to shift, and they start to get better. Well, I had no idea that cold was a mm-hmm. beneficial stressor to <laughs> the vagus nerve because yeah. although I'm certainly no big fan of jumping into cold water, I am a very big fan of letting yourself get cold in the fall. Mm. Well, I think your intuition is there. Turn on the heat in your house. Let yourself shiver a little. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about anciently, we let ourselves get cold. We didn't have these heaters, and we have stopped a lot of natural human experience and have suppressed certain things that actually strengthen our immune system. And what you're speaking of does help to strengthen our our immune system. And I think that's why it happens slowly in the fall. So we can start letting ourselves get cold. And by the time winter comes, our body is more robust at creating its own internal heat and handling infection and things like that. Yes, exactly. And I don't know if you've heard me talking to this woman who told me that she was well-rested, but she had no energy. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, what Elizabeth Kubler-Ross said to me is, you know, sleep, you don't need sleep at all, but you absolutely have to have rest. Mm-hmm. And I think about rest as deeply engaging that whole vagus nerve and that relaxation mm-hmm. response that we can train ourselves to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it is teaching our, we, we've often lost the ability to get into a parasympathetic state in our culture. Like we are rushing around, we're texting, we're this and that. We, we've almost lost the ability to get that deep rest and get that vagus nerve toning up as a way of being. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. That deep rest is strengthening. That relaxation is strengthening. The, the vagal tone of the body. And that's, and that's the real energy. Mm-hmm. That when people mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm tired all the time, I think, mm, you're exhausting yourself all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So do you, have, in that deep... do you have any particular ways that you help to, people to do this that yeah. you share with listeners? Sure, yeah. I mean, one of the best ways is doing very uh, relaxing breath work. And there's a handful of practices that we usually start with. Um, One of them is a simple practice called the physiological sigh. That was uh, something I learned from a neuroscientist named Andrew Huberman, and where they tested that this particular breath practice is one of the quickest ways to turn on the parasympathetic nervous system. And it's done very simply where, uh, and a lot of us do it naturally to calm down. It's where you breathe in, so you breathe in, and then breathe in a little bit more, and then exhale in a, so it's like a two breath in. So it's a breath in, 
breathe in a little more. <sighs> you sound exactly that. like someone enjoying some cannabis. <laughs> exactly. You know, so they're doing the physiological side. <laughs> right, they're doing the it wasn't the cannabis at all. It was the breath pattern. Right, exactly. <laughs> I actually had a researcher tell me that, that she had to train people how to smoke cannabis, and she said, she said while she was doing it, she realized she said it wasn't, it wasn't the weed. It was the breathing that she was training them to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's it. So that's a great reminder of how to do that. I do that. Doing, or do that. <laughs> and just doing five or ten of those right there is going to shift you from a sympathetic state to a parasympathetic state. Now, you have to take the time to do that, and that's part of it. But what it does is when you get into that parasympathetic state, you're like, oh, this should be my resting point. And then you start to become more aware when you're not in that space, when you're in that sympathetic or anxiety or uh, rushing around space. And so the physiological side is just a super easy one. You can teach it to kids. I teach it to my kids. You know, when I notice they're like running around talking a million miles an hour, we'll do a few physiological sides. And then I'll say, okay, now tell me about your day. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I really enjoy things like that that we can use with the whole family. Mm-hmm. 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 And it's so important to have these practices available to us because they're very elegant ways of dealing with the stress of being alive. Yeah. And if we're yeah, not we given need a whole arsenal. Then we will then we will fall prey to the inelegant ones. Yep. 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 I say to everybody, we all need a toolkit of self regulation in this day and age because we are bombarded in a million ways and we all need to have tools that we know that we can turn to when you know, when shit hits the fan. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> When the fan is blowing your way, the shit is always hitting the fan, but it's just not yeah, always sure. blowing your way. <laughs> yeah, better said. <laughs> <laughs> but it will, don't worry. Or <laughs> 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 well, as one, one of my teachers once blessed me, she said, may you live long enough to see all the things that can happen at least twice. <laughs> 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 Okay, here we go, mm-hmm. this one again, all right. Mm-hmm. Ah. Mm-hmm. So you found yourself that what you had been doing of getting a diagnosis and treating the diagnosis was, in fact, imprisoning you and you set yourself free yes that's exactly what happened because it was giving me these identities of a sick person uh someone with an incurable illness person um and they started to to stack up and i slowly forgot who i was and all i could think of myself was the perception of a sick person after a while and i had to reclaim my identity to get well Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm 
Mm-hmm. I once had an apprentice who was literally the poster child for a chronic problem. And within mm-hmm. a couple of weeks of being here, I could see her problems starting to shift. And she came to me and she said, you know, I have to leave. And I said, why is that? She said, because I can't betray everyone by getting well. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least she was aware. Right. Most people aren't. They're, they're victim to it. They just quit, and they don't acknowledge why they're quitting. At least right. she's on. She said, no, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm like the face of this problem. I can't get over it. <sighs> yeah. And I thought, you know, wow. I help you. Wow. You know, what dedication. What a bodhisattva. Yeah, it's it's true. It's true. I tell people a lot who have like their Instagram handle of Lime Warrior and Lime this, Lime that. I'm like, you've just created your identity. And if you want to get well, you want to get rid of that name from your Instagram handle. <laughs> mm. So you have done a lot in the past, and that also means that you're thinking about what you're going to do in the future what exciting thing do you have in mind Mm. you know i i feel like i'm at this phase where i really want to ground into more of my local community and be a resource and a support for them you know i've spent the last several years building up this online business and serving people all over but i feel like it's almost ungrounding because i'm energetically in the ether and i'm like wait a minute i need to be able to serve our community because at some point we're going to be really relying on our local community for all sorts of resource exchange, I believe. And just that feeling of like, come into your local community. How can you serve? How can you be a resource? How can you, um, you know, land and get your roots back where the local uh, community is? Because we got so ungrounded during COVID being online. So that's where I feel like my future is heading. Oh, I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. So your unique approach to regulating the nervous system is not only applicable worldwide, but most importantly, it's applicable right where you live and to the people around you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that does that does something very, very special. Tell me what parts work is and what an adult main personality (laughs) is i I think but i could be wrong i think that that's the that i sometimes say to people you know you can have lines on your road and stop signs Mm -hmm. and that sounds to me like the adult main personality somebody who's like just brings a little order here hi yeah yeah well Here's what it here's what it isn't. Okay. <laughs> somebody who ran around freaking out, um, constantly listening to the worries in my head, not able to self regulate because as a child I had no regulatory regulating adults around me. I didn't know what a self regulated adult that could um, hold space for emotions that could feel into their needs and could feel my needs and could feel my emotions and help me um, assimilate them. And so as an adult, I was, um, I didn't have a self-regulated inner self. And I had a mentor who said, 
you know, I was just always freaking out about my diagnoses and my illness. And she said, Kat, you need to put your big girl pants on and start to, you know, stop freaking out. Here. And it's like, what? And she's like, you need to adult, you need to adult yourself. You need to adult yourself. And I'm like, how? And she was a model for me of a healthy adult main personality, meaning she had a main brain state that managed all of her freaking out parts inside of her and that made decisions that were for the benefit of the whole of her whole persona. And I realized I was missing that. And so I began to go on that journey to study and to uh, understand her, this mentor of mine, like, how does she operate? How does she self-manage? What does she do when she gets sick? Does she freak out? Does she go to a million doctors? Does she take a million things? Or how does she handle life's difficulties? And I started to learn how to train myself to do that. And I started to understand that I have parts of me who are scared or protective or fix-it-aholics that were running the show of my brain state. And so a part is it's actually a neural network. It's a memory structure that has a memory, emotion, belief, and behavior that is almost like a subpersonality that can take over and hijack your brain. Um, like let's say, you know, your partner or your spouse does something that um, upsets you. You could have a protective part take over and start screaming at them, right? So you got hijacked in that moment, and that's just because you have a part a memory, emotion, belief, and behavior that is trying to keep you safe from an old way. Well, my parts were taking over my brain all the time, and I didn't have a healthy prefrontal. Um, I did not have healthy access to my prefrontal cortex yeah. or my healthy adult main personality to run the show. Does that explain? I don't know if that came across. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be somebody who says, we're putting a traffic light here. You can't just go roaring through here. Yes. Yes. You can't just hijack my brain state right now and start that. doing no, whatever you want. No, there's a stop sign here. There's a yield sign here. You have to stay on the road. Yeah. You know, we can yeah. all share here. We can all, you know, get our needs met. But we're, but somebody just getting what they want probably is not going to work out. So let's, yeah. you know, let's cohabit here. Let's get it together. Yes. Yeah. Friend Miriam Dyack did voice dialogue, which you literally gave voice to all of the various parts. And mm-hmm. then the first time I did it with her, I said, so now do I choose one? She said, absolutely not. Now you make friends with all of them, but mm-hmm. you are in the center. Mm-hmm. None of those mm-hmm. voices are you. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. was... Speechless. It's like, whoa. (laughs) So I really hear you. So the the parts, what are the parts? The parts are, the parts are are like the, like the child part of the defensive part. Those are the parts. Yeah. And they're, they're neural networks. They're old ways that your psyche um, developed a memory, emotion, belief, and behavior that became like a subpersonality, and it's just an access to part. It's just something we have access to that we allow to sometimes make decisions for us and run the show if we don't have a healthy inner self to hear the needs of those parts and find a way to meet those needs and for the good of the whole, you know. And those things can be so subtle 
mm-hmm. I received a lovely present of a textbook called Women in America. And it's really well done, fourth edition. And I kind of opened it at random. I was reading about women in sports from in the latter part of the 20th century. And, of course, being born in 46, I was very impressionable years and the beginning of that. And they were talking about how women athletes were always depicted as lesbians. <laughs> and that wow. girls were kind of, without being directly told, were told that it was better to be weak than strong. Mm. Or maybe we were even more directly told that. But mm-hmm. certainly not to be athletes. Now, we've done a lot to change that, and I'm mm-hmm. so glad of it. But I have a particular teacher, and we do a physical thing together, and he's always saying, be an athlete. And I always see myself cringing when he says that, and now I understand why. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have a memory, emotion, belief, and behavior from that right. time. Yeah. From my most impressionable times as a girl about yeah. what it is to be a woman, that you are not athletic. Yeah. yeah. It's, okay. it's okay for me to, to run a chainsaw and have a farmstead, but not <laughs> to be an athlete. I mean, now that's just really <laughs> ironic, isn't it? <laughs> it also made me really understand why so many women can be really amazing sexual athletes, but not athletes anywhere else. Yes. Oh, because nobody ever asked that one out. No. <laughs> 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 want to get in touch with you or find out more about what you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, probably just my my what <clears throat> sorry, my website, primaltrust.org. I also have a lot of free content on YouTube, which is Primal Trust Official, and on Instagram, which is Primal Trust underscore official. Um, on my website I've got a bunch of free trainings. Um, if anyone's dealing with Lyme disease, I've got a whole free Lyme webinar and training and um, ebooks and things like that, and then we have a membership um, where I basically take people through um, the process I went through, and we have live classes every single day. That's part of it, where you can self-regulate in a community and learn all the tools. And um, so, yeah, it's a it's a whole whole community platform to help people with chronic illness and trauma patterns. So, if someone is really struggling. And they're saying, like, yeah, well, maybe it worked for her, but there's no way it would work for me. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is it will most likely work for you if you don't do it by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's why we we have a community because it's hard when you're really ill to sometimes 
do this on your own. And to be able to show up every day and to be in a class where you're regulating with other people, you're learning new tools with other people, you're realizing that you're not that different, actually. And that's the thing. We've got people now that have been sick for 30, 40 years even, and all, all ages, and it's so validating, and that often disarms the nervous system right there. Like, I am not right alone. These, right there. Yeah. No, I mean, I've laid in bed having this conversation. I am thirsty. I do not want to get up, but I'm thirsty. I'm not getting up. You know, when, mm-hmm. when you're really, you know, it, every little thing yeah. becomes an effort. Every little thing becomes something you have to actively somehow do. So the mm. community, we cannot stress enough the importance of the community. There's a fun study that they did. They took some volunteers and they showed them a hill. And half of them were shown the hill. Just here you are, you have to climb this hill. How hard do you think it will be? They didn't even have to do it. They just said to say how hard it was. And the others were shown the hill, but they were in a group of people. And everybody who was in a group of people thought that it would take less time and be easier to climb the hill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Than the people who were by wow. themselves. Yeah. It's that Amazing. much it's that much part of us. It's that hardwired into us that it's gonna look easier when there's other people doing it with you. Yeah. And true. it probably actually will be easier as well. And I it's to me people say, Oh, you know, these devices they separate us from each other and I say, No, 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 no. No, what the internet and these devices have done is to gather together groups of people, groups of women especially, working through the same issues at the same time and doing it in a way that makes it so much easier for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, it's true. There's so many blessings available because we can connect with each other all over the world. Yeah. So you provide a opening to a community. It's not everybody's community. You don't want it to be everybody's community. Right. Right. It wouldn't work if it was everybody's community. <laughs> That's true. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's the community of the women who really will benefit from working together at that time. And that's usually pretty obvious. Once you start to, as you said, get into the relaxation response from the vagus nerve, which Mm -hmm. is also the fun nerve, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. it's hard to settle for less. Mm-hmm. Right. You become very reluctant to do things that really are, are, are stressful and aggravating. Yeah. Yeah, you realize there can be a different way to live. That you can choose fun. Mm-hmm. And it's not irresponsible. Yeah. <laughs> or out of community. Yeah. Or selfish. Or any of those things that we've been told. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep, and that's where you start to get a different perspective on life because your brain state changes when you're calm. You're like, oh, this wasn't as terrible and bad as I thought, and I'm, you know, there's there's opportunities around me to live that I didn't even see because I was so stressed before. All of a sudden, the colors are brighter. This, you hear the birds. You you see smiles on people's faces, and life starts to light up again. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for that. Mm. How wonderful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, what one thing could that person who is listening but still thinking, nah, it won't work for me? Mm. What one thing you know, could we offer that woman? Well, I can tell you that there's a science called the cell danger response, and that is talking about how at a cellular level we get stuck literally in a danger response, and it keeps nutrients from coming in and keeps toxins from coming out. And this is, there's a science behind this. This is, and we can shift ourselves out of that danger response no matter how old you are, no matter how sick you are, no matter what your diagnosis is. Literally, it is possible to shift that cell by targeting your autonomic nervous system. And, you know, if you're somebody who notices when you go outside and maybe you sit under a tree and put your back against a tree for 30 minutes and you notice, wow, I feel better. Well, imagine if you strung that together moment after moment, hour after hour, day after day. I feel a little better. I feel a little better. You're literally pulling yourself out of cell danger response, just sitting in nature for 30 minutes. And when you string those moments together over time, your entire physiology shifts. It does. You're, you're not, um, all of us are wired this way. We're wired to heal. Nature is wired to heal. And so I would say to that person, go test it out. Go sit at a tree and listen to the birds for 30 minutes. And if you feel better, then you know your biochemistry is now better than it was 30 minutes ago. And if you keep doing that and your biochemistry keeps shifting moment by moment, you will start to self-heal. As soon as I got home from the hospital, I made them carry me outside. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right out there under that cedar tree. You put me right out there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's really, it is the source of all healing, all energy, all nourishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a wonderful time it has been speaking with you tonight. Thank you so much for the oh, work thank you you're doing, too. the fun that you're having, the joy that you are spreading, the calmness that you are curating. I think that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And threads that you are adding to this weaving are beautiful and vibrant indeed. Oh. What is one last thing you would like to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone Mm -hmm. who's been listening? Yeah. We are being asked to reconnect with nature, not only for the healing of our body, but the healing of the planet. And a lot of times we end up in these health crises as a way, as a calling from nature of saying, you know, come back, come back to yourself, come back to your heart, come back to me. And I believe that those of us who are dealing with chronic illness are learning the tools and the techniques that are going to help save, you know, so many people on the planet because 
the thing is when we start to self-regulate, we can't help but want to be in nature. It's where we're naturally called. And there's something beautiful that happens as we um, start to relax our nervous system. We start to feel the heartbeat of the earth. We start to see the, the, the beauty all around us. And so, you know, it's not just about healing our body. It's about healing the consciousness of the planet and healing um, just the, the energy. And, and when you're on your own self-healing journey for your illness, you're participating in a much bigger healing. Beautiful. Thank you so mm-hmm. very much. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Ellen, thank you for helping me to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Mm-hmm. I got those red clover contracts countersigned and out in the mail. Let's keep going. Green blessings, everybody. I'll be talking to you next week from sunny California. I'll be out on the West Coast to do a few things, but mostly to celebrate Monica Jean's 16th birthday. That's right. You can go to YouTube and see six-year-old Monica Jean making slippery elm balls, and now she's 16. Holy smokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> blessings, everybody. Good night. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.